Welcome back, rugby fans, to, of course, the Rugby Debate Show with ourselves and our guests here on the Rugby Rant Podcast Show. My name is Ty Braga, your host for today's activities alongside the familiar faces of Rob, the Hammer Hammerschmidt, and Scott, the big guy Ferrara. But more importantly, who takes them on in this episode 66 of the Rugby Rant? We have Mr. Paul Emmerich, former USA Eagle, and now part of the program in Colorado for the USA Pathways Development. I think I said it right. Did I say it right, Paul? Yeah, right. <laughs> All right. I got, I got 90% of the way through with that mouthful. But more importantly, Paul, welcome to the show, my friend. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Um, it's a pleasure. You know, you've got a rich tradition in rugby, uh, but this is truly your first real test. <laughs> I'm excited for it. Bring it on. Let's go. All right. So for those fans not yet familiar with how it works, let's dive into it. Very simple formula. These gentlemen on screen are going to battle each other in a rugby debate episode where you, as the fans on the MLR Fan Zone, have told us what you want to be able to have them talk about. Today, you chose at the top was three things that the MLR can do in next year's season that is achievable. Let me note for everybody listening and watching, it's got to be a realistic goal that is attainable and within reach as a result. And we have assembled our team here to be able to debate that in the first part of this rant. They'll each be given two minutes, and should they go over their two minutes in their allotted rant, we'll receive what we haven't said for a long time is... The cheese. That gets them the yellow card. And should they continue to infringe, we'll be promoted to the red and we'll be out for the next rant. So, Paul, make sure you stay under two minutes. Scott, do whatever you do. You normally do it. (laughs) So, for the rest of you out there, we're going to start this round a little differently and hand the ball to Mr. Rob Hammer himself. Oh, what? Am I forgetting something? Hold on, Ty. I think I think you're forgetting something. Maybe you didn't take your Can I Brands uh, boost today. <laughs> right. I don't so know if you took memory because I need that one. Yeah. Well, obviously you're not you're not up to snuff here in our late recording nights because I mean you should have taken it right before we recorded so you can. Right. Well, exactly it. that, right? Because I need that little bit of a boost. And uh, while I have the opportunity, let me go ahead and remind everybody: Can I boost? This is the one that gives you that little bit of extra energy, a little pep in your step it's got a little bit of caffeine so it gives you a bit of energy but more importantly this is a cbd plant-based product zero thc and as a result it's all natural good for vegan uh, anybody who may be inclined to that certainly not me i'm south african i like red meat um but more importantly uh it's easy to be able to enjoy it's easy to be able to take uh there is also the oral spray i think you showed me one a moment ago scott which yeah, so I use, I use the Can I Sleep. So as you guys know, recording late here uh, in New York, you guys are kind of in the central time zone or you know Midwest or whatever the freak time zone you guys are in. You know, it's it's tough for me to you know I'm up I'm up at five in the morning. I'm in the office at seven seven thirty. You know, work till five. Come home, cook dinner for the misses, record two shows, record the Rooney show. You know, do what I do whatever I do, and it's really tough to kind of get you know get down from that high of recording and getting amped up for you guys. And that's where um, the, uh, the, the can I brands sleep oral spray comes in um, real quick, just eight you know shots to the mouth gets me calm, gets me ready for bed. It's something I've been using since we hooked up with can I brands. And this is also a product that I know that some of the free jacks are using uh, in 2021 and going into 2022. 
Yeah, and no, the one in particular that probably suits any athlete um, across all major sports is the Can I Mend. Uh, it's a great recovery product. There's a balm application. There's the uh, lotions. There's the oral spray. There's the dropper. So whatever way you find most convenient to be able to enjoy the CBD safe products, uh, which is a wonderful alternative to those prescription drugs. If you want something that's non-habit forming, go and check out canibrands.com. We have partnered with them to be able to give you the opportunity to save even more on all of their great products with 25% saving using the promo code RENT25. Everything in your basket will be 25% off. So go ahead and drop a bunch of things in there. And when you exceed $49 in your order, you'll also get free shipping to anywhere in the US that they, of course, ship to. So again, that's canibrands.com. And uh, Scott, thanks for reminding me. There must be one out there from memory because that's the one that I got to <laughs> buy next. <laughs> <laughs> so with that all being said, um, you know, we need to be able to remind our viewers that everybody on screen here is going to get that two minutes to be able to rant. The first topic at which is going to be three things that they identified the MLR is capable of changing in 2022. We're going to start this rant with Mr. Rob Hammerschmidt. Go ahead. Yeah, so real quick, I mean, this the premise is these are things that they can do. And so we we all know we would love to see TMO, but the, the realistic possibility is probably not there yet from the production side. So I went in a little different direction. And one of the things I'd like to see that they absolutely can do is a weekly injury list, right? Um, it, maybe come bring it out on Thursday, require all teams to bring it out on Thursday. And that way, you know, fans know who's going to be on the pitch or at least who's available to be on the pitch come game time Saturday or Sunday. It allows those of us who participate in the Super Brew uh, competition to get ahead of our picks and think about, you know, who might not be available and how that might impact who we're going to select or which teams we're going to select to be the winners. Um, but I also think it'll help fans be more engaged with, you know, whether they're, again, at home watching the game or whether they're going to go to the, the park and actually um, see play. They'll know which which players they can expect to see after the game and they can give them a high five or whatever. Um, the other thing I'd like to see, uh, again, absent of TMO, is um, really improve and engage uh, the ARs or even bring in another uh, official to watch offsides. Right. Uh, if they can't do TMO, get another set of eyes on the pitch that can help facilitate and make sure that, you know, infractions are called correctly or get another set of eyes. If there's any kind of hargy bargy going on there and they're looking to dole out yellows, um, maybe help to improve that. They really work to improve officiating in the offseason, of course, uh, bringing in several officials from overseas. I think this is another step that they can engage in. And finally, production value through the rugby network. <clears throat> um a lot of people complained about the fact that some of those, there were kind of blackout periods in between the games or before the games. You know, uh, I, I know Scott did uh, some pregame stuff um, with Rooney that provided some extra value so Rooney, fan, uh, so Rooney fans could enjoy, you know, uh, look around, see if we can engage some fans and see if we can get some additional content both before and during the middle of the game. That's it. Good job. Uh, you were two seconds under time. <laughs> well done well done take uh take note mr scott ferrara um challenge well, thrown down that's fired so so let's rewind a little bit and recap some of these great points you said the tm uh surely yes everybody would have thought wow this is going to be such an obvious fix but it really isn't such an easy fix yes we have the ability when we have the cbs broadcast or fox because it's an elevated broadcast standard 
to even be shown in that platform, but it's not available to us throughout the regular season. So let's cast that aside for a moment. It might not be realistic for the next season, but obviously it's a mission to be able to be achieved further down the road. And let's focus on what some of the other things you said. Injury list. Not only do we want to have this for our own Super Brew contest, but if you're a betting person, sports betting needs this a part of that to be able to gauge um, one team's uh, advantage over another in particular matchup. So definitely agree with that point there. One point for Mr. Rob Hammerschmidt there. The Hammers one up. So AR being more responsible for the offside line I don't know if I necessarily feel that this is this is kind of a, a, a difficult one to be able to answer, um, and maybe I didn't properly define it. But I think what you're the, the 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 core of that was being able to monitor the offside lines even better than they are. Is that right? Well, yeah. Well, my thinking was either you know I think some of the fans complained that the ARs weren't assertive enough with the officials on okay. on, on family official or on pitch officials. I think a little bit of interrater reliability, bring those people in for training so that there's consistency from, you know, from place to place. Like Marquise Kidwin was always in LA, but right. you know, um, we need to get some consistency across the board or bring in another official on the pitch just to monitor offsides and be another set of eyes right. for those. In, for those so uh, I, I mean, I ups. see the merit in saying that another set of eyes in theory should solve the problem, but I think it might also complicate it in other ways. Um, so th- th- that's that's a, a you know one still to be debated. We could probably spend half an hour on that topic. So I don't want to dig much further than we have in that regard. But the other thing you brought up though was the broadcast value. Those black blank spaces opportunity for sponsorship. Your advertising, your marketing. You you now have with a completed season enough content that next season this should never happen. Yes, I recognize launching the rugby network, you didn't have the sponsors on board. Now, since then, you've got Geico, you've got American Airlines, you've got these polished products that already have large marketing budgets. They now need to be moved to this platform. And if you don't have that, you still got plenty of great content with interviews from players. You've got all the access you need. That there is a really good point from Rob, because that is simple to be able to fix in the near future. Thank you very much. Two points. Let's hand it over to uh, Scott Ferrara, the big guy himself. How's the weather down there? Let's get hot, baby. You know what? I brought in I brought in our friend Arminta Gunkel last week, and I believe she took home the dub. Um, there's a reason I picked her because I knew she'd beat the hammer. Um, anyway, I, I also had on my on my list injury reports, and I think you guys missed the third segment of that. Fantasy sports. I mean, I play in a league for, for European Cup, and it's so hard to figure out who's actually playing in those European Cup matches because they don't say anything. So, I mean, I've literally have played uh, um, um, fantasy rugby in the, in the European Cup and have had no points because none of my guys ended up playing and you're trying to scramble the Friday before going by, you know, the, the starting lineups. Um, but I do, I do, I completely agree with that point. We, we both had it, uh, um, you know, uh, on our list there. Um, you don't get a point for it. Yeah, the second. Well, I think I should get the point because you guys didn't even bring up fantasy sports, which is probably okay, the, okay. the biggest segment. Uh, yeah, I mean that's what Super Brew is. So more like players. Oh, shut up, Rob! Stop wasting my time here. <laughs> so more player stats publicly. So I know the MLR app had yeah. stats in the app. The problem was it was combined stats from all the way from 2018. So for example, we use Dylan Fawcett. It showed his stats as all the games he played, all the tries he scored. 
And honestly, I wanted to see it more on a game-by-game basis than a season basis. Um, I think that's easier for fans to understand because you were showing stats and it didn't quite add up and people were asking questions. So I think more player stats publicly should be available. I know there's a stats package that go to the teams and to some of the like insiders, um, but they should really make that public. Uh, the last thing is I think – and they kind of did it this year with the, with the Steve Aoki event before the championship, but there should be an MLR rugby related event prior to the MLR championship. And I had the idea of having, you know, like I said, four sevens teams. You know, you, it's almost like uh, the way they used to do, you know, the the the, the um, NBA All Star game. You know, they pick a captain, pick four captains who are going to play touch rugby. Sevens touch rugby. You can play, you know, around Robin the day before. It's part of your ticket. You got guys from the MLR that are still in country that aren't obviously in the championship, but you want to see them play and they can have a little fun, maybe make it a charitable event. You know, maybe it'll help raise money for the women's team going to the next World Cup or something like that. Um, but honestly, I, I love the idea of having the party with Steve Aoki, but I think we make that a rugby related event the day before, incorporate it in the ticket, and we're good to go. Awesome. Um, okay, so the fantasy sports one, you'll get half a point on that because it was both on hands. Um, but yes, it is relevant though too. But let's dive into some of the other stuff. So the MLR app, I'm going to give you a huge tick there because that's been a point of frustration even for me, for us, right? I mean, we do research for every episode and especially when we have to reference players or teams, what resources do we have available for us? Well, we use the MLR app just like you have in addition to the other sources that we may have available, but this is in my palm. It's easy to access, so it should be easy to be able to understand that information as well, whereas it was wasn't. So when I look at a player and I see he's a cumulative three years record, how is that supposed to help me when I'm talking about a Giltini's Utah matchup? Um, so yes, major point for, for Scott. I think I'm going to give him two for that actually, because it has oh, too much value. Oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah. Hammer. Because it's been a pain point for even you. I know a penalty goal, uh, you know, for Scott, a penalty is worth three points, not two. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So exactly. I don't have any assistant referees here. So So the final thing that you brought up there was um, kind of the event, the the weekend event for the final, right? Um, I definitely see some value in that. I don't know what that product would look like, but I definitely see the importance of creating an entertainment product that is more than just that day. And and to that point, maybe it should be a full days of, of activity. Um, because if you're going to try and attract people from across the country, as a final should do, then you need to provide the right sort of entertainment and to keep them engaged for the weekend. Because, and, and again, if they if they end up choosing neutral venues in the future, maybe they'll think about those locations around the added value. Uh, but we can already bring that added value in with examples like Scott had said. So I think I'll add I'll add a point for that. That was a really strong round for for Scott. Um, what is it? Three and a half points there. Hell yeah. He did the maximum. Uh, let's hand it over to Paul. He makes three Emmerich. points and gets three and a half points. How does that make sense? <laughs> None of it makes sense. That's why I'm fuzzy math. Fuzzy math. <laughs> math, yeah. Let's hand it over to Paul. Let's hear your thoughts. Um, I think, uh, you know, interesting. Um, I, I, I'm kind of looking at things from maybe an operational standpoint as well, being like in the league. Um, I think they're uh, um, just from like traveling from town to town, the uh, standard of accommodations and meals and stuff, uh, we're all over the shop. So I think a uh, very achievable thing from a, a player standpoint is, you know, let's standardize what hotels and then also, you know, good meals. Right. Um, 
you know, we had uh, uh, one one pregame meal, and it was like a gas station burrito, and one of them uh, Jimmy Dean <laughs> sausages, you know, things, and we're all <laughs> sitting here going, oh, we can't fuel ourselves on this, right? right. Um, and then I'm going to go ahead and say it with the uh, uh, video review. Now, I know with the world rugby, you need cameras, this and that, and the other thing. Like, you probably have maybe three cameras at every match. Let's use them. What, what are we going to lose? And if you can't overturn whatever decision, then the call in the uh, field stays, right? Um, I think, uh, you know, that's very doable. And then let's also look at some of the, uh, uh, the way the MLR has handled some yellow cards and, and standard sanctioning and stuff. Like, we've already gone outside of the bounds of World Rugby Regs, um, which is, you know, um, I understand why they would do that because it is such a short, condensed season. You know, what should be a six-game suspension, let's, let's go that down to two or, or whatever, right? Um, so they just need to manage their, uh, player resources like that. And then um, – you know, I'll, I'll go ahead and say that, uh, um, you know, uh, to the point that Rob was said he wasn't going to talk about, but um, we need ARs that need to be involved. And um, perhaps I have, um, you know, wh- uh, whether that be through professionally, right? Or, um, you know, the ARs need to be trained up and, and they need to be more involved. And, and I know from, you know, a bit of experience in doing interviews and stuff that, um, they're really not told to engage too much, but they need to. And that's part of growing the game. There we go. And there you have it from a rugby expert, somebody in the league, somebody that's played at the highest levels, supporting the hammer on okay. the AR note. Out of here. Where, who's the official talking and, about? And here. Here. Is the guy standing behind me the expert? <laughs> 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 well, you don't understand how this works. This is a show about people who think they know about rugby. <laughs> All right. <laughs> sorry. Sorry, sorry. One of whom was just confirmed by a rugby expert. Uh, oh. right. <laughs> so, so, so really, in reality, Paul, you're overqualified to be on the show. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's true. So, that might be the so, first time I'm overqualified for anything. Well, <laughs> Fantastic. And somebody doesn't know what he's talking about, so I don't know how much merit it holds. Um, more importantly, let's let's rewind and revisit some of these things that you said. So, yeah. you know, the standard and the quality of um, travel and accommodations, food, everything associated for the, the welfare of the players. You spoke about this, player welfare, right? Yeah. In general, even if you, you know, those examples and beyond, player welfare should be a priority for any sport, any league, because they are the assets to the league, right? In addition to the fans, the stadiums and all these other components, none of it happens without these guys out there each and every day putting their bodies on the line. So to, to hear that your 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 pre-meal game is a Jimmy Dean's breakfast sandwich is probably not ideal, right? Um, but, you know, and, and, and yes, that needs to be done. There perhaps needs to be a standard. When you travel, you should be able to go to the host city, ex- have the same level of standard uh, expectation as you would be receiving them, and there needs to be that across it. There needs to be a par. And this has been a criticism that we've heard from players in the past on and off the show as well. So definitely a good point there. Uh, In addition to that, I think that it won't be next year, but we would eventually like to be able to see down the road a union for the players to be represented. Um, You know, we've spoken about this in different versions throughout uh, our time on the show. Um, But that's not something that might be realistic for next year. But the pathway to that is laid with something simple, like you said. 
Um, in addition to that, you said video review. Now, what did we have understand? Was that game tape you were thinking about specifically or video reviews for something like the MLR potentials in the draft? No, as in like the ref review. Um, okay. You know, if you want to, I'm not saying go as far as to have a, a challenge um, like they do on a lot of the internationals, you know, they want to challenge the call or whatever. Right. But the ability for uh, the ref just to say, hey, you know, I, I think uh, he might have gone out of balance or not sure when, you know, when they get with their ARs and uh, they're not sure, then ask. And, right. you know, yeah, okay, we may only have, you know, like I said, two or three cameras. But if that picks up a, a uh, um, you know, a, a overturned call, then great. Um, you know, and, and if it doesn't them, move on with the was, decision uh, on the field. Yeah, exactly. You know, right. and one of them was a was a clear uh, try that was called a knock on for the Sabercats. Like, you know, I, I, I do watch a lot of our games over and mm -hmm. over. And, and, and part of my review is to, you know, pick up and uh, mm -hmm. what, what what were the I do a ref reviews with Jonathan Kaplan. Right. And, and mm -hmm. yeah. you're just trying to say, OK, you know, like and I get and this is not things. <laughs> this is not a this is not a, you know, witch hunt for our referees. This is all part of the right. three, three pillars in which we're going to grow our game. Right. Coaching yeah. players, refereeing. So, you know, and working with him and just trying to, OK, yeah. Hey, do you know what? We're, we're human. We're not infallible. And, and you know, mm -hmm. we can't have unrealistic standards for the refs. So why not empower them a little bit with a, a little bit of video review, albeit three camera angles. And, right. and, uh, and what some do you involvement with people, ARs. Because this is kind of tying into what Rob had brought up with the TMO. Obviously, it's important. We as rugby yeah. fans know that that we all want it, but we just don't know when we'll be there and that every stadium has the exact same standard that's met. Because, you know, if 2021 taught us um, that one venue to another is, are not created equal. So sure. what, what, what is your thoughts for those fans to just say that we're not there? I mean, you know, if, unless we all meet the standard together, you know, we're going to have this inequality across the league. So who's, who's setting the standard? Certainly, we're not going to have the eight cameras required by World Rugby, right? I think that, like you said, we're not there yet. But you watch the games, and there's at least three different camera angles, mm -hmm. right? And, you know, through uh, – I know our video analysis guy can immediately capture and rewind, and he does coding live, right? So I know the technology is there for someone to have gone back, gotten that clip from all three different angles – and then present it to a fifth official that's in the box that's then reviewing all three angles, right? Right. That could all be done within So you're just saying just no matter what use available uh, yeah. for each yeah. venue? And, I mean, and, so Rob, you have three or four cameras, yeah. right? No, no, I, I'm, on, I'm on board with what Paul's suggesting as long as across the board for that week, the home venues are only using the three angles that everybody else is using it what right. i think you want to avoid is you're at sofi stadium right and 27 cameras there's 27 <laughs> cameras there's all those video screens and your officials looking on mike lash looks up and goes well we got to take a look at that and one team you know uh, loses out or you right. know uh, loses a point on the board or whatever have you because of that particular ability uh, to use the video, um, whereas another team, now we're, we're not sure, so we're going to go ahead and count that as a try. Now, all of a sudden, you know, they get the, into the bonus uh, bonus point, and it makes a difference between a team making the playoffs and not making the playoffs. 
just the consistency, right. I think, would be would be what we're looking for. In, in that regard, you could argue that you know the Coliseum with the Giltinis has an advantage. Even Aviva, which is a purpose-built rugby stadium, has the right angles and does have a good broadcast value, which is why it was often chosen as the CBS Sports Game of the Week. Um, so you're you're suggesting, and if I understand it correctly, Rob. That inequality can really become obvious in some venues over others. Um, right. That can give them an unfair advantage. Scott, do you have anything you wanted to add to that? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think we're closer to TMO than we think, to be quite honest. But I do, I do think there, yeah, there has to be some until we get to that eight camera angle and and all that that Paul was talking about for World Rugby. Yeah, I think there has to be something, but it's hard. I think that's another hard thing to kind of officiate, especially in this time of you know. COVID and all that because you know it's it was just you know people were, were rushing so we have to see next spring after the delta variant what's happening and then i think we can right. go from there but a couple of the other points i want to the, the points i want to touch on real quick was like the food that's something that i feel so every team should have their sponsor that sends their the the you know opposing teams the meal you know meal plan for them and then think about it most guys who are who are rugby fans most people who are rugby fans they're into athletics they play rugby they're still playing rugby they like to eat healthy make that the sponsor and then make a a a code so that way not only are you helping out the opposing team who's coming across the country to feed them with you know nutritious food that's going to fuel them it's also an extra sponsor because this person's doing it as a as a business, you know. And um, on that note, what they should have given them was some rugby coffee. <laughs> <laughs> so allow me the window of opportunity here, Scott. Um, sure. But yeah, you know, you, you were talking right about sponsors and how they can contribute. And one of those sponsors that's certainly contributing to rugby growth across the U.S. and of course Canada uh, is Rugby Coffee. So these guys enjoying a cup of coffee for them means that ten percent of what you have have spent with them will go back to being able to help rugby youth programs across North America. Uh, this one over here is my personal favorite. It's a French Rocher, darker blend, uh, bolder flavors as a result. The, the flavor profile is intense. I love it. You might be prefer something that's a little more mild, the crowd favorite. Uh, and, but these are both specially made North American roasts, uh, blended uh, for the, the rugby market. And every single purchase, 10% will go back to growing rugby youth programs across the U.S. What better reason do you need to be able to enjoy a cup of coffee? Wouldn't you guys agree? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I've, I've already downed mine. I'm, I'm fresh out. <laughs> <laughs> and I, used, I took mine on vacation because I knew I was going to need something to help us through that live draft that we went through. You know, two hours on the air breaking down the draft. Um, call me Mel Kuyper Jr. Jr. on that. But to go back to my point, another thing that when Rob was talking about having that extra AR and and, and Paul talking about the or, – or Paul and, and Rob talking about using the AR, it was funny. I felt that at one point in the season – it had become such a thing that online, and then I go to a Rooney New England match. Rooney's given advantage, breaks away down the field to score a try, and the referee JP Doyle calls it back to talk about it with the AR, and it was an infraction. It was the infraction he called advantage on against New England. So, like, it was like they went in the completely opposite. We're just going to stop playing now to talk to the AR. So, I think we do have to find that that happy medium at some point. So I, and it seemed to me like it just 
that week it started to happen more and more where uh, on-field officials were talking to ARs. So I don't know if it got through the MLR or yeah, there was yeah. there was something, you know. On that note about additional, well, ARs, but I want to go back to something Rob had mentioned earlier about even possibly considering another official to be able to assist you with this. Because obviously it, the question is, are the, are yes. the ARs being asked to be able to be uh, – too much of them? Like, are we setting too high a standard considering the training, considering the assets they have, all of this? Uh, and if so, how do we get there where we want to get? We know what the target is. We want to be able to be more accurate in our officiating, but how do we get there? So, Rob, help me understand that that thought process a little bit better, and then I want to hear Paul's thoughts of how he thinks that might work in reality. So. So number one, if you're going to involve ARs more, and I think problem, part of the problem, and Paul alluded to it, is that there was inconsistency as, as to how much the ARs were used or the level to which they would actually be advocates to really try to help the officials make the proper call. So I think the first step, number one, and we do this here in Illinois with wrestling officials, um, when you have two officials working the mat, the head official is the only person that can then ask the official or the assistant official, hey, what did you see, right? They don't sit there and, and, and allow that assistant official to call a penalty, right? It's, it's you know, in the no, case that Scott spoke of, okay, look, I call advantage. I'm going to come back to it. Uh, AR, what did you see? So I think that's number one. Number two, you know, spend some time bringing those ARs into a mini camp, you know, a week or two weeks before, um, the MLRC or before preseason starts and really start to create some consistency. Here's how you need to be used. Here's how you need to advocate. Here's what officials want to uh -huh. hear. Here's what they're looking for. Here's situations. Can and, I break and, in real quick, Rob? And uh, just to add to that, what they should do is they should have teams that consistently work together. You know, it, yeah, it shouldn't I believe by bringing you can achieve that. That's they, not too yeah. hard. Yeah. Right and now. I mean, that's they already they, do that to an extent. Like, yeah, like I think he's good when it was always the, the one of the ARs in, in the last. Yeah, uh, but, I, but I, if you take if you take a head official and two ARs that are always with each other every weekend, it starts to, to get a little more synergy there. And that's what they do in the NFL. On that branching off that point, we know that the MLR in 2021 took refereeing very seriously by, first of all, appointing Jonathan Kaplan to be able to assist and train referees. Then we saw J.P. Doyle come in. We saw, basically, we saw, I think it was four professional full-time referees for the first time, full-time, right, to the league. Now, would the answer be to be able to get more full-time referees or have those four, or whatever they decide is the right number, and some full-time ARs who would eventually be promoted into the those positions higher up? Paul, what is your thoughts there? So, um First of all, I think, you know, money fixes everything. If we could <laughs> pour the resources into these people, bring them into training camps, like Rob said, um, get them high-level training, you know, it probably wouldn't be a big topic of conversation. But as the league is growing, we're doing what, what we can for the resources. And, Scott, um, the way they structure the refereeing is um, the guy in the middle will travel around, but then they have crews of ARs that are like locally based. Um, mm -hmm. Houston and Austin, you know, we shared a couple of ARs that would travel back and forth consistently. So, you know, again, if you, if that crew were to travel with that ref, you're talking again about some more resources um, that would, you know, I, I don't know what that would cost. Right. right. Um, more than it does now. Yeah, more than it does now, right? Well, then maybe it's taking those those head officials and just making East Coast and West Coast just like they do the AR teams. You know, maybe it's that point at, at one point. But yeah, um, and then you know, I, I 
playing in Italy for a couple of years and uh, I lived through as a player the evolution of amateur refereeing into professional refereeing, right? That was always um, you know, one of the things our coach, um, I won't swear in Italian what he used to say, but he had some uh, some some choice curses. Yeah, we got for, no Italian yeah, viewers. I don't watch <laughs> Not here in the States anyway, but, um, you know, so – there is a growing curve for uh, professional referees. And, um, you know, I do know that Jonathan Kaplan um, does a wonderful job. He works, he works hard and uh, you know, I'm sure he's going to keep advocating for more resources to put into refereeing. It's definitely yeah. one of the uh, uh, three pillars that we, we got to continue growing. Right. So absolutely. I think achievable, like, you know, next step for our uh, domestic ARs, right. We got to develop our own domestic referees. We can't mm-hmm. always be relying on, you know, uh, foreign referees to come over. That, uh, you know, the idea is that they are their ARs. We get them involved more and more. We give them some more responsibilities. Simple things like like calling the off sideline, right? It's one guy managing 30 people. Wrap your head around that. That's a lot. That's a lot. And, and you know, Rob, it's pretty interesting, the old leaguey style with, the you know, the one referee um, behind the defense and one behind the attack. Um, hey, we're, let's put our American spin on it. And maybe that's the answer. And maybe we're the incubator then that world rugby says, you know, Hey, this is actually not a bad idea. I got, I got one question for Paul. I got one. So now, you know, as all the academies are going to start to come back up again, I think we're going to have a more Academy season. And a lot of these Academy teams are going to be playing Kurt razors. Would it be beneficial to have those same referees that are going to do the MLR match and have one of those ARs be the head official and have the head official be the AR for that curtain raiser. Just again, to give them more time together and, and putting in the air on the position to have that head official. I think, I think you'll run into some uh, ref welfare questions. Yeah. That's right? four hours out there on the field and a, and a 95 degree day. Listen, <laughs> yeah. Scott Green but, gets the more the girls, you know, go nuts. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there definitely should be part of the referee pathway, that, that thing, you know, that you're talking about, right? So it may not be the ARs for the MLR game, but it's the next guy um, in line. Right? Or, or maybe if it's a really promising guy in the middle, maybe he foregoes an AR opportunity to, to be, you know, be roughing um, this academy league as, as the academy league grows, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you're seeing more and more clubs that are vesting into a, a very – definitive pathway with the academy and the mlr system excellent stuff thanks for uh, your comments paul and from all of our ranters here uh one of the things that i have is a great takeaway from that last little bit of banter back and forth about the ars um you know and, and i wrote it down because i didn't want to forget it was developing domestic referees a really big part of it and i'm going to give you an extra point for that but I'm also going to give you an extra point because I learned through Wikipedia that you're from Iowa <laughs> and I am in Iowa. So you get a point. Is that right? Where, yeah. where in Iowa are you? You guys take five. Um, <laughs> I'm in Des Moines, Iowa. So All right. yeah, good, good. They, yeah. Uh, they just got a new coach who was, um, uh, he played for the Utah Warriors. Right. Yeah, coach. John Cullen. He was uh, on our show a few weeks back, and the head coach <laughs> is South African. So, yep. but it's not like there aren't enough South Africans in rugby in the U.S. Right? You just need one more. <laughs> That's all you need. It's just one more. <laughs> but you know, gentlemen, it has been a great debate. Um, you know, if I'm looking back at the scores here, we need to be able to define who is going to be the winner of this 
part or this round. But before we do that, we'll be back after a few words from one of our sponsors. I would like to thank one of our sponsors, Tighthead Brewing Company, Chicago's premier location to watch rugby and enjoy quality ales and lagers for all seasons. Located in Mundelein, Illinois, and the heart of Lake County, owner Bruce Doerr and the Tighthead staff will ensure that you are kept well hydrated so you don't miss a single scrum. Tighthead's tap room is like the familiar rugby clubhouse in which friends and teammates can meet, socialize, and enjoy the wide variety of brews on tap. Don't forget that this fall there's some exciting rugby coming up to enjoy a tight head. We've got the USA qualifiers against Canada. We've got Women's Rugby World Cup. We've got the Premier Sevens in October. Of course, we have the World Sevens Series. And we cannot forget the exciting test matches for the United States against both Ireland and New Zealand. All that can be seen at Tighthead Brewing. So, hey, Chicago, when you want rugby, Tighthead Brewing Company will satisfy your thirst. Tighthead, it's worth more than a try. And there you have it, rugby fans. As per normal, we are crowned a new winner. But I want to remind all our viewers at home that you can, of course, learn more about us by following us under the handle at Rugby Rant Pod on all social media. You can find us under that handle. In addition, make sure that you check out the Rugby Network for future episodes where a new episode will be released each and every Friday. And you can continue to be able to learn more about us there and hear more rants as we debate each and every week topics that have been chosen by you as the Rugby Rant fans all across the world. And we thank you for tuning in and we will catch you at the next. And rugby fans, again, we are back here to be able to debate the topics you have chosen on the MLR Fan Zone. And here on the Rugby Rant, we have delivered the team one more time to be able to tackle this topic. And the second part of the rant is to talk about the upcoming matches, the Rugby World Cup qualifiers between the U.S. and Canada, which will be taking place September 4th and September 11th. One on U.S. soil and the other on Canadian soil in Vancouver and Glendale, Colorado are the venues that have been chosen. Now, gentlemen, as you know, we need to be able to share the opportunity for each of you to be able to rant. You know, you're given two minutes, but we're going to divide this topic into two. As the first part, our ranters will be talking about the predictions. What's going to be the outcome between U.S. and Canada first in Canada, and then secondly, on September 11th, on U.S. soil, as I mentioned before, in Glendale, Colorado, at Rugby Town, USA. Then, when we're done with that, they're going to talk about the quality of the rosters that have been chosen for those matchups, both for the U.S. and Canada. Gentlemen, do we understand the rules? All right. We're going to start it off, then, where we ended the last round, and we're going to hand the ball first to Mr. Paul Emmerich. Well, my prediction is obviously a USA win at uh, home and away. Both times? Both times. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> End of rant. <laughs> Tell us oh, why. Come on. Don't make me draw <laughs> Blood from Estonia. <laughs> the cactus um, speaks. With, with uh, you know, I, I think in, in uh, talking with um, some of the uh, assistant coaches, um, you know, we're, we're, we're having a, a lot of guys in the MLR playing domestically, which is okay, but um, there's also a cohesion factor there. 
and, and perhaps Canada might have that little cohesion factor. Um, I think uh, we're talking about, you know, they've got 12 guys from the arrows, right? So um, definitely a cohesion factor playing a part in that, but you know, Come on, always beat Canada. Like USA, we'll, we'll win both of these. Always beat we, Canada. We got the new version of ABC. 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 I like it, but I'm going to press you for a scoreline prediction. Oh, um, let's go. Or at least points difference. Let's go points difference. Yeah, points difference. Um, I think I think we'll win by 15 or more. Okay, 15 or more on both occasions. Okay, you don't think the second time around there might be a little tighter affair? No, I think we're going to be consistent and, uh, right. and, and clinical and, and, you know, we'll do uh, uh, two good halves. Um, All right. We can play some good ball. We showed that against England. So, All right. Okay. Talking about being clinical, that was the entire rant from him was America will win. <laughs> Simple. <laughs> clinical. I like it. And you know what? Done. We're going to deliver the ball over to Scott Ferrara. Tell us what you think because I know he'll have something to share. We're still cooking. They remember back-to-back World War champs, the United States. Um, yeah, I, I do. I'm going with Paul, though. I think it's going to be – I think the U.S. is going to run the table in these two World Cup qualifiers. Um, I'm going to say plus 20 in the fir- – or minus 20 in the first match and minus 12 in the second. I think that cohesion factor is going to make Canada tighten up a little bit on defense. Um and I, 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 what I think USA, you know, up front definitely has the biggest advantage. I mean, you know, we'll go into specific guys later, but you just we we know that we have that. Um, we saw that start to start to kind of come together in that summer international window. Um, I will talk about one guy. We got you know Butch back. We got Dylan Fawcett back up. Even depending if he's not even you know playing time, you know he's a proven leader. Um, so I think. That's just gonna get, get get guys fired up. If you guys have never seen Dylan play or seen Dylan be a leader on the field, I mean, whew, it's 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 that it's that chill factor. So yeah, I'm gonna say USA runs the table. Um, minus twenty in the first one, minus twelve in the second one. I think it's gonna be a little tight. Right. I do also think that you know if I was to be able to offer a prediction, it would be closer on the second matchup, only because I give them the benefit of doubt that you know you're going to be playing a largely a very similar team as you would the first time around. That hopefully you should be able to close the gap. Um, but I'm going to leave my comments for last. I'm going to allow Rob to be able to take the floor now. Okay, so uh, I'm going to go in a little different direction. I agree with both of the gentlemen that our guests here are on the show today. Uh, both um, my man Scott um, and 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 our guest Paul, uh, but I'm going to go a different direction in the result. Um, first of all, the United States in the last 12 matches is 11-0-1, so that's clear that they're going to win both matches. But um, Canada generally plays a much narrower game when the matches are in Canada, right? I think one of the most recent results was as few of spread as five when it was in Canada. They're playing in Newfoundland on September 4th. Um, and at St. John's. And so I'm going to go with a 10-point spread there. I'm going 35 to 25 the United States. I think that on September 11th, there's going to be a lot to play for. It's a significant uh, event here in the United States, uh, a remembrance event, if you will, and, and it's going to be it's in Ruby Town. And I think I'm going to go with a 25-point spread. I'm going with 42-17. 42-17. All right. You know, I'd like to amend my comments. Maybe it'll be a little tighter on September 11th because they got some weird PA announcer in Rugby Town. I don't know. Got to bring the team down. Is it weird because you just don't recognize awesome? (laughs) (laughs) 
That's minus uh, a point, Ty. Just remember that. Minus a point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, like, yeah. Before Rob, he was all complimentary. <laughs> After he loses, ah, oh, screw yeah, this course. guy. Um, so so let's let's remind uh, the viewers of what we covered here. So Rob, great point by the way, talking about you know the, the, you know how their gameplay may be different on U.S. soil, perhaps a little tighter. Uh, they're also playing in unfamiliar territory, and I want to correct myself. I think I originally said it was Vancouver, but I must have been thinking of the Canada Sevens. Yeah. Um, so. You know, I'll give you a point for that, for correcting me. It's the only time I'll give a point for that. <laughs> but um, it is re- irrelevant because, um, you know, they're, they're, they're playing somewhere different. I, I don't know what the conditions are like there. Maybe it will be a closer affair because they'll be less likely to be able to try uh, all these interesting combos uh, and all these new tactics. Like maybe it might just be about playing the basics and doing them well and building from a continuity of having 12 Toronto Arrows players, as Paul mentioned, uh, you've got a lot to be able to build from. So I wouldn't be surprised if, if it has some of the same qualities that we know from the domestic rugby that we've seen from Canada with the Arrows. Um, but yeah, there's going to be a little bit of experimentation, but I don't think it'll be nearly as much as you would have seen in the summer series. And looking back at some of those records, as Scott had pointed out, if you look at those records, it wasn't favorable. It wasn't flattering for either the U.S. Uh, or Canada. But you have to imagine that with the one stronger performance that was evident with the U.S. against, I think it was England uh, the first time around, that was enlightening. We looked at combinations that hadn't been used before. We looked at uh, uh, tactics that hadn't been seen before. We also saw a stronger USA side in the final 20 that we had ever seen before in many years, right? Which is to their criticism when, when the legs have gotten tired and, and the game had gotten a little bit more sloppy. Um, so I, I think my predictions will be two wins. And listening to what you've got, I think I also might change my opinion a little bit more. Maybe the first matchup will be closer than I originally thought. So maybe it is going to be an eight to a 12 point spread uh, difference, should I say. Um, and then the second one on USA soil um, might be the larger difference between the two. So I think I'm probably going to lean towards some of the, and, and Rob's comments swayed me a little bit more to that. Or initially I was agreeing both with the other guys. Well, I wonder, um, I wonder the second half of the one, the, the game playing in Glendale, depending on what happened in the first uh, matchup mm-hmm. will will the will will the coaches maybe do you know put in some guys that would normally get playing time you know so that's why I feel it'll be maybe a little tighter in that match I feel we go into halftime with a lead and maybe Canada scores you know a little bit more because we put in some guys that maybe haven't had time previously right. I guess so it depends on what the result of the first matchup is. But like you said, if you do win that first matchup and they both are rugby qualifying uh, matches, you might put yourself in a little bit better of a position because on the back of that, only a week or two later, you now have another matchup against the South American side that if you have the ability to try different combinations because you could rest some more mature players, you might choose to do that if you think you're in a better position already going into that second matchup. So that's another good point from Scott. There, Paul. Did you have any final thoughts on top of everything we've already well, shared? You know, Rob, you're talking about. Uh, I've been to St. John's in Newfoundland, and um, you know, the it's a very coastal city, so the the weather in September might might play a, a part of that. And uh, they also have a, a 30 minute time zone change there, so you know that, that time zone that 30 minutes might be a, a bit much for the guys to adjust. Oh, those were all the things I was thinking. I just didn't want to take your thunder. (laughs) All right. 
So I think we've taken the opportunity deserving to uh, to share our thoughts of the predictions, but we need to be able to turn our attention to the other half of this conversation, gentlemen, which is the quality of the rosters that have already been revealed. Now, by the time that we get into the show, um, the roster for Rugby Canada would have already been a few days old for us in the recording and only arrived today. So we'll only think about sharing a few standouts that we think are key players rather than diving so deep into the roster and, to- and bring out some of the key talking points. And to be able to open this rant, we'll start it as we do always where it ended in the previous. So Rob, go ahead and, and take the floor. I actually made a roster of, you know, who would be my starting 15, and I went with a little different direction. I, I, I'm i interested in Ben Benasso. He, he, I would go with a really, really solid pack of experienced players and put Benasso on the open side. I think it is a really expansive game. Um, I was impressed with him for Rooney. I'd love to see him get his first cap playing with Honko and Cam Dolan. So I'd like to see that. I would also put Michael Baskin as a starting night. I know it's controversial, but I love the way he plays in the loose. I have always said it in all the shows. He is always off the shoulder of somebody running, and I think he has the potential to really create and turn up turn over some points. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like to see Marcel Brocky come in from fullback into the centers where he naturally plays, and I'd like to see him paired with Bryce Campbell. I think that one-two punch, Bryce, Bryce you know, punches a hole, and, and Marcel runs off that shoulder at an angle. Um, and then I'd really like to see um, uh, at the wings, Dyer and Cruze. So that would be interesting. Um, for Rugby Canada, Kyle Bailey is going to bring an edge. I love Kyle Bailey. He's one of the reasons his edge, one of the reasons he is captain of, of um, the NOLA gold this last season. So I, I love to see him. And then I want to see in the centers. Again, I'm, I'm making uh, uh, Scott blush here. Um, with Ben Lesage, of course, uh, Toronto Air, but Quinn Nwadi. Um, at, at the center. Uh, I really, Quinn, for a young kid, really impressed me. I'd like to see him get his chance and really begin to, to uh, you know, accumulate those caps. Right. Out of the handful of names you've already identified as standouts, it seems like probably 50 or 60% of them are Rooney. So uh, Scott's already feel like he's winning. <laughs> so well, let's, let's, let's hand it over to him. stroking his ego because, you know, right. he likes to be stroked. <laughs> We're going to leave that one there and move on to Scott. All right, I'm in the hot corner, and, and Rob's taking a lot of my stuff. So I was I was actually going to talk about the back row and the second row. I mean, second row, Savetta, Brakeley, Mahoney, Peterson. Any of those four guys can start, in my opinion. Like I said, uh, going into the summer internationals, I think you start with the two Rooney guys just because they've played together. I mean, now we've had a longer camp, so maybe guys have been nicked up or guys are playing better in pairs and, and who's a better jumper on the lineouts or whatever at this particular time. But I always feel like if the guys are – continuing to gel throw them in there for the first match and that's what i was going to say about hanko and ben Bonasso. ben Bonasso coming out i'm going to get his first definitely going to get his first cap wouldn't be surprised if he starts in canada with hanko right there um andrew Guerra right behind him um and you got cam dolan and uh Fanana schultz is back there too to back him up i think what's interesting is you were talking about uh, marcel brash at fullback i think they're going to stick with will mcgee the entire time um, you know, I think they're going to, I think you're right. I think Marcel is going to play a little more, uh, up front there. Um, as far as my nines, honestly, I don't, I don't want to see Ruben de Haas play. The only reason being is the two guys you just spoke about for rugby Canada. Um, and Quinn Nawadi can be started at a wing, you know, they've been playing him at center, but honestly he had more games in, in more minutes in Rooney as a wing than anything else. Mm-hmm. And his, uh, his counterattack on those kicks, uh, against teams like, you know, OGs. 
um, you know, they were devastating and they, they turned things on for guys like Andy Ellis to then make a play on some offloads. So, I mean, you know, it's, it's, I, rugby Canada up front just seems like a mess right now. I don't know why. Um, it just, it seemed like a mess going into the summer internationals. It seems like a mess going in right now. And, you know, cohesion is a big thing, but I just don't think they have the horsepower up front. And I think one guy we have to watch is how much Paul Mullen plays. You know, I don't like to talk about individuals that much, but I do think there was something. Paul Mullen just didn't look right. He didn't look on uh, in the summer internationals. So I think we have to see what happens with Paul Mullen this time around because he really, in my in my opinion, he needs to have a really big performance. Right. And, you know, talking about those performances of the Summer Internationals, just for a moment, revisiting it, you spoke about the scrum, the quality of the scrums, really on both sides, identifying a couple of key players like Mullen and whatever else. Uh, you know, they were lacking, especially for Canada. You know, what, and for the US, I got to be honest, I was also quite surprised that it didn't stand up against some of the, the, the true tests at the international level that I thought it did because I thought we were in a much better position. So it certainly opened up a, a few question marks. And I think that if we look at those question marks, Canada just has a few more than the US does right now. Well, um, and, and, and hold on, and just, I saw Paul Mullen play, you know, in New York where he beat the crap out of Rooney. So that's why I was so I know seriously I mean he was bullying at the breakdown he was the he was Dominating. the in the scrum and to him fall flat in those summer internationals was just a really big letdown for me I was you know 5 meters away from him kicking the shit out of Rooney for 80 minutes Mhm oh, so yeah, it was and, and 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 you would think with the experience I mean certainly one of the most experienced that we have at least in those key positions that I hope that that we get to see that. Now you did make a comment that you, that you think that you and, and help me understand it. Maybe I misunderstood it. That you hope that you do see him or that you don't see him. In. No, no, no. I want to see him in. I think I think we have to see what the outcome is on his play, because like I said, it was a very big letdown in the summer internationals. And I know it really doesn't mean anything for USA Rugby in those, right. those particular internationals, but. Even if you get your butt kicked in the scrum, Paul Mullins has that bully mentality on the field and he rides that line. And that's something that helps out our USA Eagles because I think some of the bigger international teams don't have that. And when you have Paul Mullen in his right mind being a little bit of a bully, it kind of gets in the uh, the opposing team's head. And I think that's where we need to be. You just got to watch him slapping his opposition across the way during yeah, the rock. That's and what I'm saying. Yellow card. Old school. I <laughs> got caught. Little on-field justice. Oh, you don't know anything about yellow cards, do you? No, no. <laughs> so with that window, Paul, let's hand it over to you. Um, well, I mean, I think uh, Rob and Scott covered a lot of the player aspect, but um, I think one thing we're, we're kind of generally talking about is you know making some difficult decisions about players, which now let's talk about depth of USA players and that quality of depth, right? Um, with the MLR, you know, there's only one team in Canada – um, we're allowed to bring on Canada uh, Canadians within our, our uh, you know, domestic league here as non-foreigners, but um, the majority of the players that are on the MLR teams in America are Americans, right? So, you know, we're starting to produce this, um, and we're just getting started. Um, we're starting to produce, produce some depth, right? Um, I remember when I was playing, it was, you know, the overseas guys and then, you know, who, who we could scramble to get together domestically, right? And, and, you know, that's, that's no knock to the domestic guys at those times, but they weren't in full-time, full-time environments. Right. Um, so this is a, this is a good, you know, a good discussion and, and a good problem to have to talk about, you know, do we play this guy or that guy? 
Um, like, what do we do with the call? Like, it was like, how do you pick the winners? Yep. You know, you're you're in a full time environment. It's a facto. You know, more times than not, yeah. you'll you'll be playing, right? I mean, listen, listen to these wings: Christian Dyer, Ryan James, Mika Cruze, Ryan Matias. Christian Dyer was in the sevens program the entire time. Ryan James won a championship with the Glatinis, and um, Mika Cruze and Ryan Matias were playing full time in the MLR. I mean, how do you pick out of those four guys who's going to start at any point in the next two matches? And that being said, there's a lot of players that have. No, that's at the national team level, but at a MLR level, we're playing on the wing. I mean, I think of Mikey Teo as an example, that there was a lot of criticism that he was not played mm-hmm. to his best ability um, in the choice of position, right? So, so there's a lot of interchanging parts. And, you know, Robert highlighted that with, with a few players that he mentioned. And, you know, alternate choices that are available. If it was a Ruben Nahas as your first pick for a nine, or is it a Basca? Me, personally, I like the options for both. Basca, for me, though, just was electric when he came on in those those final moments of those matches in the Summer International and kind of a new spark and a new step. And it's not to discredit one over another. It's just as to Paul's point, we're in a fortunate position that we now have options that might not have existed only just a couple of years ago, that we have the characters and the depth and positions that we have all of this conversation possible. And, and think about the fact that when we talk about those scrum halves, we've left out one of the scrum halves that's in the 31-man roster that's had the most caps at scrum half than either of the other two, and that is Nate Osberger, and we haven't even right. really talked about that. And, you know, and that's because it might be overlooked because he wasn't there last time around. He still was on the injured list. Likewise, as, as Scott had pointed out with Fawcett, um, you know, a couple of other names that would be usual characters a part of that squad, because of their experience um, and and the maturity they have as players, which is invaluable uh, to a side, especially when you have the heightened uh, stakes of being a rugby world cup qualifier. And on, you know, on that note, um, you know, we probably should have taken an opportunity to be able to see where the placings might put them, but in the rugby world cup qualifiers, ultimately the, the formula is very simple. You want to win both games to be able to get a better position for the 2023 Rugby World Cup. Although you could argue, does having the top spot put you actually in a better position? Mm. Um, But that's a debate for another day when we talk about that after these matchups. But for now, we need to be able to put a pin in it and we need to be able to remind our viewers that you have been watching the Rugby Rant podcast show. If you want to continue to be able to enjoy it, follow us online with the handle at Rugby Rant Pod, where you can find new content weekly, whether it be each Monday night with a new run parcel kick interview, where we take the opportunity to put a rugby insider under the microscope and he shares or she shares their views. But in addition, follow us on the rugby network every friday where we will share a new rugby debate just like this one here and now in the second part of this i need to be able to crown a winner as well right is that right gentlemen do i do a winner on this round yes. I do if you want yeah. If I want, because I, I can do anything I want as the referee, right? I claim it. No, I can't do that. Um, I didn't actually score this one, so I got to go with gut instinct. And I think the last thing that I ended up revisiting and driving home the key point is what makes me feel that Scott will take this one. Then. Right? Because a lot – and, and <laughs> look at him already with his, with his cup and his prize. 
Listen, I just like to I just like to say, you know, I think I've started the first uh, rugby rant pod like coaching tree. You know, Arminta got the win last week. Um, you know, Mike Parazzini has been on the show a couple of times and had some great showings. Uh, Craig Gridelli, I think, won uh, once. Yeah. You know, so I'm, I'm branching out my people here to, to take these wins, including the wins I get. So I take those wins and kind of, you know, pad my stats a little bit with them. <laughs> yeah, do what you need to do to make yourself feel better. Hammer, you can't catch up. Just leave it. You're in the dust. You're mad that the 340-pound prop is, is leaving you in the dust. It's okay, Ham. It's okay. Hey, listen, are you still on IR and waiting to run that match against no, uh, me and uh, me and Foats? Yeah, I'm waiting me on Foats now. You know, his 34 or 36 year old body is breaking down. I guess I don't know. He, right. he's, he's not answering me back. Just come on, just Foats. scared then, obviously, right? Obviously scared. <laughs> obviously. <laughs> well, once again, it has been a blast here with the team from the Rugby Rant Podcast Show, where we think we know about rugby, but there's one guy who did, and we need to be able to remind you that Paul Emmerich was our guest. He won the first round and certainly held his own in the second. Paul, we'd like to be able to end of each episode, give an opportunity to our guest to send a shout out to anybody important. Maybe you have a special cause you want to draw attention to. Please, the floor is yours now. Um, I just want to give a shout out to uh, the Iowa Youth Rugby Association and uh, year in, year out, um, the sevens model of, introduc- of introducing uh, rugby into schools is, uh, is showing some good growth. And, uh, you know, we're starting to see some, some quality kids that are, uh, you know, getting a basis of rugby uh, coming out of Iowa. So um, a shout out to uh, all the coaches there. Um, I have a, a lot of old teammates from Northern Iowa that are uh, coaching there and uh, shout out to those guys for continuing to uh, cultivate and grow the game. Right. Keep up the good work, right? And helping us do that good work is Rugby Coffee. Make sure you check them out for your cup of coffee that will give 10% back to youth rugby. And uh, who knows, it may even find its way into the hands of uh, youth rugby in a state where you live and in a town where you support. So, and once again, thank you very much for watching this episode of the Rugby Red Podcast Show. My name is Ty Brogger, your host for today's activities, alongside Rob the Hammer Hammerschmidt, Scott Ferraro, the big guy himself, and on behalf of Paul Emmerich, we thank you for watching this episode, and we will see you at the next. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.